Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by my wonderful friend, handsome colleague and all-round good guy, Matthew Loveridge. And today we're going to talk you through some of the key stories from the last couple of weeks on bikeradar.com. Now I've whittled down the best stories from the last couple of weeks and first we're going to talk you through the Envy Custom Road. No fancy names here, but a very exciting piece of kit and it is Envy's first ever road bike. Now, Envy is a brand or better known as a component manufacturer. They do wheels, seat posts, handlebars, tires even now, and they have also done forks and individual tubes in the past for kind of custom frame builders. But this bike itself is the brand's first ever in-house bike. And we think it's really interesting. Now, the first thing to get out of the way is it is very, 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 very expensive. The frame set comes in at $7,000, and that is with one of the base paint options. You really, really can spend almost as much money as you're ever likely to be able to spend on a road bike with this one, with complete builds coming in around $12,500. The really exciting thing, though, about this bike is that, first off, it is fully custom. And though $7,000 is a truly outrageous amount of money, you are getting a bike which is entirely built for you. Now, there are plenty of custom frame builders out there, but Envy is very much in a minority in that because they are a component manufacturer. Apart from the group set, with this bike, you are getting Envy everything. And that kind of puts them on a level pegging to the likes of Specialized or Giant or even Canyon, where they are making this totally, wholly integrated system, but with the added benefit of it being fully custom built to you. Um, 
again, you do very much pay for that premium, but as a concept, it's one that certainly got us quite excited. What do you think of it, Matthew? It's incredibly cool. Uh, obviously, Envy is a really desirable brand when it comes to components, and having a complete bike from Envy is just very interesting because the fact that it's custom is genuinely significant. There really aren't that many custom carbon builders, uh, and Envy's doing a really interesting tube-to-tube process for its frames, which has a curious side effect, actually, because it means they're producing bikes that sort of look mass-produced because they're so cleanly integrated. It's not like we're used to the idea that with metal custom frames that there's usually like visible welds or there are lugs. Um, Even, for example, some carbon custom stuff or titanium things has done interesting things with like 3D printed lugs, for example. But in this case, you can't see any of that, which you could argue is a downside because it doesn't necessarily stand out and mark its customness. But it's really cool to have something which competes directly with very high-end off-the-peg road bikes, but gives you the option to do truly custom geometry. Um, And let's face it, how this bike looks is going to be one of the main reasons that people buy it, because when you're dropping this kind of coin on a road bike, it's not a purely rational, like, I'm spending this much money to get this much performance. It's because you want something that is different to the rest of the world. Yes, totally. And, you know, I think that's really it. And we'll go into more of the in-depth tech details, but... I think one of the reasons this story has been so popular and why the bikes have been such a splash is they come in some truly fabulous paint options. I don't think there's anything shameful about saying that that alone makes the bikes stand out. And with them, you do have a choice of I don't know, over 40 different types of paint finishes, which you can even spend $1,500 on a fully custom one if you haven't spent quite enough money already. Um, what colour would you have yours painted, Matthew? I think it's really important that you go as bright and eye-catching as possible with a bike like this because you do want to shout about the fact that you've got something different to everyone else. It would be insane to spec like a black bike. So I'd say maybe go go bright yellow or or go green or something. Green. There aren't enough green bikes in the world. I also am quite partial to a fade paint job. I know that they're very trendy at the moment. Um, so yeah, you just as long as it's something distinctive... Um, that's the key thing. And maybe something that looks expensive is nice as well. One of the things that I've really liked on bikes we've seen launched in the last few years is when they've had like a metallic sparkle to their paint job. The Specialized Tarmac was a good example of that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful finish. And something that up close actually looks really special. Even if you were a true gazillionaire, Matthew, could you bring yourself to spend the $400 premium on a pair of matching custom painted bottle cages from Envy? I think when you're that far into the expenditure, and this is probably why Envy is doing this, you become totally insensitive to stuff like that. And people are like, well, I want the complete package, don't I? Obviously, from a rational point of view, that's insane. I mean, $400 for a bottle cage. like A pair of them? Come on, give Envy the credit. Oh, oh, was that for a pair? Oh, I take it all back. (laughs) Only $200 each. That's completely reasonable. Um, Really, if anything, it should cost more than that. Yeah, you say it's a a completely irrational thing um, at that price bracket and you become insensitive to it. But I have to say um, some of the less uh, favourable reactions to the bike were a bit more sensitive to the idea of £400 pair of bottle cages. But there you go. I do think it's important to put the price in context. Although it is a very expensive bike, 
it's actually quite close in price to the halo bikes that we're now seeing from mainstream manufacturers like Specialized with the Tarmac and the Athos. Um, Top and Cannondale will cost you very similar money. If you go to the Italian manufacturers, you could quite easily spend more money than the NV costs and get something that isn't custom. So yes, huge sum of money, but arguably if you're shopping in that world, bit of a bargain because it's custom yes and that's it if you i don't know like one of the points that envy made in their presentation about the bike which is absolutely true is that if you value aerodynamic uh performance over absolutely all else this bike because it is fully custom will allow you to put yourself in an aerodynamically efficient position without compromising on handling now the majority of riders on a stock bike will be perfectly happy and perfectly able to put themselves in that kind of position on a normal bike. But you may, for example, have to run an excessively long stem or you know excessive amount of drop, which may affect the handling negatively. Whereas with this, you know, if you've got 12 and a half grand to burn and you're a really dedicated racer, then you could be more satisfied overall. And we should say as well, if you haven't seen the bike, it is is kind of like that uh, typical all-round aero-ish road bike these days. Envy doesn't make any kind of specific claims about the aero performance of the bike, and I will forgive them a little bit on this one because it's so hard to come up with meaningful figures in the first place for aerodynamic performance. When you mix in the fact that no two bikes will be the same, then you know you could argue that it's a bit meaningless to give like quantified aero performance, but, you know, it has all the tropes of a, of a modern aero bike, um, which again, kind of going back to what you said, is funny in a way because it it kind of does look like every other bike on the market in a way. It doesn't look like that, we'll call it artisan manufactured bike, but I'm sure beneath the wonderful paint jobs, there's a great deal of masterful, masterful craft. Yeah, it would actually be lovely to see sort of under the skin of one. Maybe we'll get to at some point um, because uh, although they've told us it's a tube to tube construction, haven't actually seen precise details of what that entails. But knowing Envy, the sort of process will be very nicely refined and I'm sure it would be a really interesting thing to get a close look at. So hopefully we'll see it at some point. Hopefully they'll send us one of them as well. Yeah, one each in, you know, choice of custom colours. That'd be wonderful. If you want to get the full details on that, we do actually have a full story on bikerider.com. And if you're not in the mood for reading, we do also have a video on our YouTube channel. And there's a little Easter egg in the background of that uh, video that you can leave abusive comments about me in my bedroom in the YouTube description if you really want to. Anyway, we'll move on. Matthew, you've been playing with some new tech a very different end of the uh, the price scale. Tell us about Speedplay, now owned by Wahoo, better known for their smart trainers, new pedal range. So Wahoo, that company best known for its GPSs and trainers, acquired Speedplay, that other brand best known for its weird lolly shop. Lolly <laughs> shop. shop. <laughs> it's weird lollipop shaped pedals. So, uh, they acquired the brand back in 2019, but only this year has the Speedplay range of pedals been totally relaunched. Um, now, I've been using Speedplay pedals since ooh, it's more than 10 years, and the fundamental design of that lollipop pedal, which has been called the Zero for over 10 years now, 
hasn't really changed fundamentally since the 1990s. And the key selling points are that it's double-sided, which is obviously fairly exceptional in the world of road pedals. And it's also got completely adjustable, non-centering float. So you can have no float, you can have quite a lot of float, and nowhere in that float is there a spring trying to force your foot back to center. Speedplays have always been really popular with bike fitters, partly for that reason, and because along with various adapters and different spindle lengths, it's always been easy to make fit adjustments, which is not the case with all pedal systems. So this year, the old Speedplay range is now declared completely dead, and the Zero has been brought back effectively, and there are four models. So there's a steel spindle, uh, sorry, chromoly steel spindle version is the cheapest model, which is 135 pounds. They're now using the Zero name for the stainless steel model only. That's 200 pounds. There's the Aero model, which is actually single-sided and has a sort of Aero fairing that um, forms a nice smooth surface with the cleat. It's 240 pounds. And finally, there's the ridiculously extreme weight weenie version which is uh, sort of the successor to the old nanogram and that's 380 pounds um and it's very light i think the claimed weight is 166 grams for a pair of pedals that doesn't include the cleats which obviously do add some weight but that's a seriously seriously light pedal i think that would make it the lightest mass production pedal on the market somebody may come along and tell me that's wrong Why is this interesting, I guess, is the question, because Speedplay has occupied an interesting place in the market. So while Shimano and Look are totally dominant across pro racing, across amateur cycling, Speedplay has always kind of existed on the periphery and has been used by pros, both in road racing, uh, time trial, triathlon, uh, famous people like Fabian Cantillara, Bradley Wiggins, the Brownlee brothers and triathlon, they've all used speed play and some of them continue to do so. Uh, and so this product is back and it's sort of almost the same, but then it has some key changes. I feel like I'm talking a lot, Jack. No, it's actually fine. I was quite enjoying listening to it, Matthew. I'd say the key change amongst those is that it is now owned by Wahoo, a vast company in the terms of cycling world you know they have a huge amount of resource and i've no doubt that with the kind of fanfare that came with the launch the refresh of the launch we're going to see a lot more of it it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest for example if they end up sponsoring a team maybe oh you know. they are they are um they oh, will be wow. used by um <laughs> uh whatever ef education is now called it's it's something like EF nippon e- i think that yeah i think that's right I was going to say, I've got to go back briefly and say that you said that uh, Luke and uh, Shimano are totally dominant in the road pedal world. I hope you realise that the time pedal users amongst us, which actually includes our editor, George Scott, will be up in arms at the the transgression you just made. My my apologies to fans of quirky French pedals. Um, (laughs) I guess we should talk about the changes to the new Speedplay because, again, that fundamental design has not changed. Uh, They're still lollipop shaped, although Wahoo is now referring to them as bottle caps rather than lollipops. Um, Despite the fact that they actually look, if anything, more like lollipops than ever. But the reason for that is that where previously there was a metal bow tie shaped thing, 
kind of set into a plastic or resin body, they've now wrapped that metal around the edge of the pedal. And what that hopefully should mean is that you don't get the tendency for kind of rocking play to develop as the body of the pedal wears. Um, I assume that this may mean that you then transfer some of that wear to the cleat because you'll have metal pedal against plastic cleat, but then the cleat is a wear item, so that sort of makes sense. be interesting to see if that works. Overall, the um, desire from Wahoo's point of view was to make the pedals easier to live with, and part of that is they've moved away from the uh, grease port design on the old speed plays, you had to regularly inject grease into the end of the pedal. It was very satisfying. I was going to say, a not totally uh, dreadful job. It was uh, really quite a good noise it would make when you would do it. I absolutely loved it because I just enjoy that sort of thing in the same way that I enjoy servicing Shimano pedals. But you would inject the grease in one end and then you kind of get dirty, gross grease kind of blobbing out of the other and it would make little like air pop noises. Um, <laughs> But that did obviously require ongoing maintenance and, you know, some riders don't like that. So Wahoo has now moved to a fully sealed bearing design where the bearings are supposed to last for the life of the pedal. And I have mixed feelings about that because, so the Wahoo rep I talked to said he thought that might mean, for example, a pedal would last seven to 10 years. That's obviously totally dependent on usage. Uh, But at the end of that period, obviously it goes in the bin. And as somebody who, like you, Jack, has a very strong belief in repairability, I don't love that as a concept. And I would note that while the old speed plays, they did weep a little bit of grease along the spindle, they're incredibly durable when it comes to the bearings. I'm still using pedals that are 10 years old, and they're fine as long as you keep injecting grease through them. And that's on the original bearings. I haven't replaced anything. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I just don't like that. I'm going to be honest. I, I too thoroughly enjoy uh, cleaning and servicing Shimano pedals, and anything that moves away from user repairability is a bit of a, a no-no in my books. But at the same time, I think the design of the pedal means that it, if you're getting that kind of lifespan, you know, yeah, we'll yeah. See. I, I, I think for most riders, it's essentially a moot point, and it's. Certainly in line with, I think, look pedals, for example. I, I know there's some like gray area with a lot of these designs where in principle you might be able to replace bearings, but essentially they make it so that it's not something that any normal user would do. Uh, and I just don't think most people are going to care about this and they probably will enjoy the fact that the pedals are essentially zero maintenance. I mean, other than maybe putting a tiny bit of dry lube on your cleats, there's literally nothing to maintain on the new speed plays and that will certainly appeal to some people uh so another thing worth noting is that the cleats for the new zeros are backwards compatible with the old ones so if you've got existing speed play zero pedals you'll still be able to buy cleats for the foreseeable future however there is no legacy support whatsoever for any other speed play pedals and that includes spares and cleats so for example if you bought into the scissor system that came out for mountain bike and gravel a few years ago, Which you're you out of luck. Like. <laughs> I didn't get on that well with the scissors. I did test them when they first came out and I had issues with them, as did my colleague at the time, James Huang. They did not score very well in reviews and they obviously were not widely adopted. Anyway, no support for those. They are definitively dead because uh, Wahoo has 
closed Speed Play's original headquarters, moved manufacturing elsewhere. So there's obviously from their point of view, it would be totally unreasonable to make spares and uh, cleats for a pedal that they don't manufacture. So I can understand where they're coming from on that, but you are completely out of luck if you're still using. So that would be like the Scissor, the Frog, the X1, any other legacy models from Speedplay. In addition to all of this, very briefly, because we actually don't know anything about them really at this point, but there is also rumoured, in fact, not rumoured, sorry, I should say confirmed, there is going to be a power meter version of the Speedplays coming out later this year. Yes, that's right. We're expecting that in the summer. Uh, we've seen one sort of teaser image, which if you turn the brightness right up, makes it look like a finished product, but we don't know. It might be an empty box. Uh, I think like other pedal power meters that have come onto the market recently, they're very much a self-contained thing. They have a sort of pod around the spindle and they supposedly will have the full suite of connect connectivity that you'd expect for a power meter. So you'll get your Ant Plus and Bluetooth and possibly something else as well. Uh, but yeah, in terms of finer details, we don't know anything about them. Being pedals, we'd expect them to be a reasonably light power meter, but we don't know. Um, so watch this space on that front. Um, we've been promised power meters of various types for pedals over the years, many times. The year. I think we were first promised a power meter speed play pedal in maybe 2009 with what was then called the Metri gear, which subsequently morphed into the Vector, but that stopped being a speed play pedal somewhere along the way. There were many shenanigans and false starts where it didn't come to market. But this certainly, from Wahoo, gives the impression of being a product that's almost ready to go. So we're looking forward to that. Given Wahoo's background as well, you know, they are specialists in this area. I think it'll be out with a bang and could make a real splash. They are a kind of a growing... Uh, area in terms of popularity we just saw the garmin rally pedal system which is a kind of full suite of mountain bike and two road pedal systems because it's kind of follows on from their vector part which just adds to the confusion here because garmin did eventually buy the vector name and they had the pedal range for a, until last week basically um and then we've also got something like the favero asioma duos which simon bromley our our tech writer is a big fan of um it's definitely something growing in popularity. I just wanted to say one final thing about Wahoo Speedplay pedals. Um, and this is the only thing that made me maybe a little bit sad, aside from the servicing thing, is that the Speedplay Pave pedal is no more. So that was part of the main zero range. It was something that was teased for many years because it kept showing up at races like Paris-Roubaix. Uh, and it was essentially the original Speedplay Zero with all of the plastic body removed. So it was almost like a metal three-dimensional metal x-shaped thing uh, and that meant that it could shed mud and so you could use it in these races where the conditions meant a normal speed play would just jam up and stop working so the pave is completely dead and they've not made any mention of there being a new pave which makes me a tiny bit sad because it was a product when i first saw it i got genuinely excited about i tested it and it was really good it delivered on the promise and i still use the set of paves that i got when i was testing them so mm. There you go. Back when you were young, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That was wonderful. If you would like to hear more from us on the Bike Radar podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We also have it on bikeradar.com. In the top nav, you can find our full archive of these wonderful podcasts. 
Thank you very much, Matthew. I hope you're going to enjoy the rest of this rather sunny day. And I'll speak to you soon. Speak soon, Jack. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.